1: Welcome to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, soon to be joined by Amy Donaldson. Today, we're going to be talking COVID with Annie George. He's an epidemiologist with the Salt Lake County Health Department. And Annie, thank you for being with us. And, um, oh my. So, got to be an exciting time to be an epidemiologist uh, and dealing with infectious disease and, and kind of the spread of this thing. What's What's been your experience over, I don't know, like the last year and a half, I guess this has been going on?
2: It's been kind of crazy, so I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think if someone would have told me that my career would include a pandemic, at first I would have been excited, and I was at the very beginning, but then as things got more difficult, then the novelty of it kind of wore off, and now, now I think we're all just tired, but still determined to <laughs> make a difference in public health. So.
1: Okay, so I'm with you on that. Look, I didn't even know what a pandemic was to be honest with you until it starts, right? And now we, I think we all do. But what? As we've been going through this for, uh, like I said, about a year and a half, because I I feel like it was March of 2020 when we all started, uh, you know, having to really, really change our lives, wearing the mask, being home, if you could and that kind of thing. So what um, with this new Delta variant, it has created a situation where people who previously had not been vaccinated and they happen to contract the virus. It is even more severe in some cases than the original version. Uh, Do we call that the alpha version? Is is that how, how does that work, by the way? Did you call this one the Delta variant?
2: So they've they've changed the naming sequences a few times, and it's it's very confusing. Even I still get confused. So there's the original one, and I don't know that it had a name. They've started naming the variants. So okay. the Alpha variant is um, the B one one seven one that came out of the United Kingdom. That they typically go off of where it was first mm-hmm. detected. So this um, this Delta variant came out of India.
1: Okay, and so in this case, it uh, and. India, the, uh, one of the two most populated countries in the world. So I, I can only imagine how difficult it must be for them. But here in America, where we're the third most populous country, even though we're exponentially smaller than uh, China and or uh, India. What's been the impact thus far, uh, particularly as it relates to Salt Lake County and, and, and our state?
2: So uh, across the national picture, first of all, Um, You know, the the case count had really started to trend down. And so we were all very encouraged, you know, the vaccines were were working and that we were really making some progress. But the the scary thing about these variants is every time a virus enters a new host, it has the uh, potential that it can mutate in some way. So that is what has occurred with this Delta variant. So it has mutated in a way such that it, it spreads far more efficiently than its predecessors, which is is scary. So that's why we've seen in recent weeks the, the case counts really ticking back up. And it's taken over very quickly. So as an example, um, I, I think it was first detected in May, and then it just kind of took off. So mm-hmm. um, on Mondays we have calls with the CDC, and yesterday they told us even in since the Monday prior, it went from being... Eighty-two percent of the of all the variants that they've or of all the samples that they've sequenced, the Delta variant made up eighty-two percent last week, and this week it's at ninety-three. So it's it's pretty well taken over, and we've seen the same thing happen in Salt Lake County. The majority of our cases that are being reported now are this Delta variant.
1: And so when we see this, uh, what I, what I find a little bit curious is that does this indicate that we had too low? a vaccination rate? Or is this something that uh, being vaccinated for the first uh, iteration, it didn't really matter necessarily because you could still relatively easily contract this uh, variant?
2: No, definitely. The vaccine will still help out. We've seen some vaccine breakthrough cases and and that's to be expected, particularly because we don't have enough people vaccinated yet. So, I think we would see less spread if we were closer to um, herd immunity, but we are we are a long ways from that. So of the entire population of Salt Lake County, we're right around 50%. So that includes, if you look at the, the population that's eligible to receive the vaccine right now, mm-hmm. then that percentage is higher. But the problem is for herd immunity, you have to look at the whole county, and we're not even at 50% yet. They're thinking to, in order to reach that for... Um, for the Delta variant, that we need it closer to 90. And we're a long way from that. OK, well,
1: so the elephant in the room, we're never reaching 90 percent, not not in, this, in the in the environment. This is a, in in any state in America, right? Because there is has been this, this push and pull uh, against being vaccinated. There are these anti-vaxxers for any variety of reasons, by the way. I mean, some of them are political. Some of them just they just don't want to do it. I mean, they, they're afraid because it's not FDA approved, which is true. Right. And, and so they're they're reluctant or just they're just not having it. And so we're never going to reach. It's it's I think it's a safe bet to say we're never going to reach herd immunity. Then what are we what are, what are we looking at if we're only going to get about half the population that's eligible to have it to uh, at any point uh, to uh, to be vaccinated? Are, is this going to be an ongoing thing for you know the foreseeable future?
2: I, th- I think it will be for, for a while. So the other thing that will give you immunity is infection from the virus. But we're not but there sure... there have been people who've
1: been infected twice.
2: It's true. So that's that's part of it that we don't like to calculate in because there is a degree of uncertainty with that. We've had, like you said, people that have been reinfected and we're not sure yet how long the antibodies from that last. So going forward, it might be that the rest of us that have chosen to be vaccinated need a booster vaccine or a different vaccine. It might um, change to the point where, uh, you know, like very similar to the flu shot that we either (laughs) need a yearly vaccine or something like that. So definitely COVID is not going away anytime soon. We hope that we can control it to a point where, you know, where it's not going to be That we're wearing masks all the time, and that we're not going to see these surges that are, you know, burning out our our healthcare system and our healthcare workers. So, it's definitely not going away anytime soon. But you know, we need we need people to get vaccinated because that's how we achieve that. And it's also, you know, something else that needs to be considered is that um, people are traveling more now, and these countries that haven't had the opportunity to get vaccines yet the virus is still mutating there. And if someone travels there, picks up one of those and brings it back in, then we start all over again.
1: So this is one of those things where, and I'm going to make this comparison based on kind of what you said. All right. So I, but I know it's not exactly the same. So flu shots, we get one every year and we live with it, right? There are always a certain amount of people who just like when they get, uh, COVID-19 or the Delta variant, because it changes uh, each time you get it, uh, you can be vaccinated from one strain, but the new one that comes along still makes you a bit more susceptible. However, you are protected in the sense that chances are if you do get the new strain, it wouldn't be as severe as if you had not been inoculated. OK. But again, it's an ongoing thing. There's going to be a certain amount of mortality. There's going to be a certain amount of hospitalizations based on your own health history and your ability and your uh, your personal Im- individual immune system. So to me, that does seem like something we can literally live with. Is, if, is that right?
2: we we can the the scary part is is having three viruses that circulate at the same time so you know we we saw a huge spike of covid during last year when we would normally see flu and rsv cases there's there's a problem with hospital burden there that's why mm-hmm. you know before flu even hit last year when, it, when we didn't really see that many cases which was um, you know, due in part to wearing masks and to taking other precautions that we were already taking for COVID. Mm-hmm. That's why we didn't see the flu numbers or the RSV numbers as those...
1: RSV. I mean, I know what it is, but you got, you have to tell people what that is.
2: So it's respiratory syncytial virus. So typically we see that in kids more so than adults. But as we've done surveillance on it, we also see it in older adults as well. So... um We've, we're part of a, Salt Lake County is part of a CDC grant that does surveillance on RSV and we, we actually see it now that we have the testing capabilities to test in more people and we know that it occurs more than just in kids. We see that one across the board as well. So the, the problem is we do not want the three of them to be circulating at full capacity at the same time because then your mortality rates will go through the roof because our hospital system simply cannot hold it.
1: That would literally be a catastrophe. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about what we can do to help ourselves going forward, knowing that there's always going to be, again, this resistance by some to uh, maybe, maybe we change the way we uh, approve uh, vaccines or, or we do something to help expedite the process so that we can help, you know, help ourselves help ourselves. Are you listening to Voices of Reason?
0: That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, soon to be joined by Amy Donaldson, today joined by Annie George. She's an epidemiologist for the Salt Lake County Health Department in Salt Lake City. And... Though we're talking about something that ha- is happening here. It's happening everywhere in America. So I guess this is a, a national and worldwide issue. You know, with um, we, we have all of this going on now. And I used to think that, and you said this a little earlier in the first segment, that we saw rates going down. And we felt as though, you know, we were coming to an end because we all got this fatigue, right? Nobody wants to wear a mask all the time. Nobody wants to stay at home all the time. I mean, you, you want to be able to do things. We've already made— uh, be, uh, what is it? Jeff Bezos, the richest man in history of rich men, probably for the foreseeable future. All right, his his company is worth you know what three thousand dollars a share that none of us can afford anymore. So this this seems like it's it's going to happen forever because we don't have the societal will to do what it takes to get us back to that level because now we're, we're, we're escalating, we're getting worse and we have these variants going on around the world. And if we all don't join in all and by that, I mean, collectively around the world where you, where it's, uh, it's possible because there are still countries where they don't have enough resources. How do we address the fact that we haven't come up with uh, a global plan to figure out how not to make this uh, a a worldwide scourge for, you know, Longer than I mean, for, for decades. I mean, is that is that something we can actually kind of corral and and potentially put a plan around to to help mitigate this, or or is it not possible?
2: You know, I think there were attempts made at the beginning to you know to try to work on that with the the, the travel bans because that keeps people you know from from sharing germs because mm-hmm. unfortunately they do not stop at at borders, be that state borders, country borders. But, um, yeah, like you said, until until we can get everybody on the same page, then I don't I don't see an end in sight, unfortunately.
1: OK, so that being the case, our I mean, other than uh, we, we. So the the answer is wear a mask as much as possible. If because there's, for instance, if you're a person who's not uh, vaccinated, because this is this is one of those things where in, when you have a discussion, you, you just kind of it is what it is, right? So some people want to get vaccinated and wear some some people want to wear a mask. Some people don't want to get vaccinated, some people don't want to wear a mask. If if it sounds like to be protected, if you want to protect yourself, which is really all you can do, and maybe the members of your family, just wear a mask, right?
2: That's, that's and, and get the vaccination. Of, yeah, that's definitely one of the you know one of the most effective things that you can do, yes.
1: Is there and, and with regard to the people who don't do anything, I mean that's just one of those things we have to shrug and say, well, that's part of uh our existence because I don't know that there's a way you can make a nationwide mandate.
2: I don't, I don't see that happening. And, you know, even, even locally, the enamor of that is worn off as well. So, um, you know, I think one of the things that's been most unfortunate about this experience is that people have stopped caring about each other. You know, I don't, I don't wear Mm -hmm. a mask just for me. The mask really is to stop spread to someone else. So I do it out of respect for others because I care about other people. And I think people have stopped doing that largely. They're more intent on, you know, doing, being anti, you know, I'm not going to do what anybody else tells me to. I'm going to, you know, live how I want to. But, um, you know, I think if we could get people on board with caring about each other again, then that would... That would go a long way to help.
1: So you're too nice. You don't. You you, you obviously have uh, have a kind heart. Something that America doesn't have. So at least collectively we don't. You know, um, one of the things I, I, I was thinking about. So as we, Amy is joining us now uh, with her mask on. By the way, uh, lovely mask you have there. <laughs> we well, I got to put Easy you on for sale to support the rescue. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay, well, that's yeah. right. Cause... And
3: they're great because they hang around your neck so you never lose them. Oh, you them. never have to take it off. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's really awesome. Do they
1: have doggy masks for that? Because I, I, my understanding is there's actually animals that can get this. It's true. The, uh, co- yeah. COVID-19.
2: Dogs can get it. Cats can get it. They've had um, several zoo animals that have gotten it as well. Can they spread it to humans though?
3: Or do we not know? That's
2: still to be proved. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Definitely humans can give it to the animals because that's how the – Tigers got it at the zoo in the Bronx, and they assume with the other animals, too. So. Oh,
1: the the, the zookeepers had it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say, I mean, are you telling me the people from New York are actually jumping in the tiger pen? <laughs> no, Which, by the way, possible. would not... So, it was it was entirely possible. Yeah. Yeah. We all know New York <laughs> yeah. is a crazy. So let's let's just begin with that. So we've been talking about just... We have all of these different variants. Yeah. So only half the population's been uh, vaccinated. And right now, there, there seems to be... No individual or collective will for us to have a, a a plan that will you know stop this from being an issue for you know years and years to come. And in a I, way, I'm I'm kind of disappointed and sad because yeah. I, I think this is what this is our life now.
3: Yeah, I guess my question is, um, maybe do you do you see some value in changing the marketing of this of of the prevention measures to say uh, you know this is something you're doing to protect uh, yourself and your family. Because I don't think it is working. I agree with Jason. We've talked about this before, saying you're protecting vulnerable people. You're you're protecting you know other people um, with your behavior is not motivating enough. And I, I, what do you? I mean, for me, it's all in who's because people who are vaccinated are telling people not to get vaccinated, and they're listening. And I just don't get it. I just wonder if we need a shift in marketing.
2: It is a, it is a puzzle, yes. Um, I, I I mean we've we've tried various tactics, you know, through the health department marketing with, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get people to understand. But there there are some that are you know their mind is made up, and I don't I don't know that we will ever reach those people. I think honestly it will take a tragedy of of some sort. You know, of,
1: epic proportion.
2: Someone, yeah. well, of something personal, something of, that yeah, touches something them. Personal.
3: It seems like people are only converted by personal experience.
1: But even yes. then, sometimes they're not. I listened That's to a, a podcast the other day and this lady, her mom died. But her mother was 89, by the way. So I but she never has not been vaccinated. She got it twice. once so severely it went to the hospital. She smoked. <laughs> this woman was like the, the poster child for somebody who just doesn't want to she was just huh. so adamant about not getting it. I don't, I don't trust it. Blah blah blah. Even though she's been personally affected by it. So even though what Amy says would seem to be logical, the logic isn't always part of this uh, this this uh, discussion. Which to me is what what really hurts because now you can't make a uh, you can't reach people. They have made up their minds. Uh, you know the the outcome be damned, and and they just will not will not, you know, do it. I'm I am going to be obstinate in uh <laughs> flying in the face of logic and my own health and public health and those of, of my friends, neighbors and relatives. So I'm going to uh, jump to one other thing. So one of the things people say is they don't trust because it's not FDA approved. How about uh speeding up the process for approval? I mean maybe that helps get a few more people on board.
2: I know they're working on it. Um I believe Pfizer has already submitted theirs for FDA approval. So mm-hmm. Um, Fauci
3: said it's a matter of weeks, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But even still, I mean, to me, they got to make it part of the marketing, right? Mm-hmm. You you have to get it approved quickly, but not make people think they rushed it. Right. Because before it took 10 years cuz we had 10 years. No, we don't have 10 no years it no,
3: it took 10 years because of money. I mean, this is what people I and I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what I've read is they Operation Warp Speed gave it you know almost any amount of money we had to to find this, so everybody had enough money to to put every researcher in the world that wanted to could could research this so it it was and then and then there were some you know requirements that were um sped up so you could do things side by side instead of one after another but it did they didn't change the requirements at all it's just the timelines collapsed in large part because every Researcher who wanted to be on this project was on it because they had enough money to throw at it and it really made me understand how much research is slowed down by not having enough money and not having very enough true. manpower right
2: very true and we were talking about RSV a few minutes ago, and that um they've been trying to come up with a vaccine for that for a very long time and it is it's been a very slow process for that one mm-hmm. because people brush it off as oh well, it's just kids. Mm-hmm. So, that one has been years in the making. But, you know, another, just to add to your point as well, you know, this was existing technology, which I think a lot of people don't understand with the mRNA vaccine. So, they were already working on that. So, this was yeah. essentially, you know, in physics, they when you're working on an equation, they talk about plug and chug. So, you plug in X and you plug in Y and you're able to go. This is essentially... What they did with these vaccines, and, and
3: part of the reason that happened is because researchers were sharing information in mm. a way that they don't normally share. Because normally you have companies competing or researchers right. are competing. And it's all hush
2: hush. Yes. Yeah, and
3: you it's it's uh, proprietary. You don't want to share because it's what's going to make you millions of dollars or billions of dollars when you're talking about drugs. But they all shared. It was it because was it different.
1: Became, at least in that they were trying to save all of us. the world. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> there, there was this collective Literally, will to help yeah. each other. Yes. When we come back. I want to start on a discussion that we were having offline, Annie and I, that I think will be fascinating. It's a little bit of a turn from COVID, however. But
3: I also want to ask you about an argument I had yesterday with a state senator.
1: Okay, all right. So, <laughs> plenty to talk about. Uh, we're speaking today with uh, Annie George. She's an epidemiologist for the Salt Lake County Health Department. We're talking all things infectious diseases on The Voices of Reason. We'll be right back. We are back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Jason Lee and Amy Donaldson, today speaking with Annie George. She's an epidemiologist for the Salt Lake County Health Department. And, okay, so we're going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, first, Amy's going to start out with... Uh, yes, we, we brought an argument I had on,
3: on Twitter. Yeah, I had an argument with... Well, and then we're
1: getting to Disneyland.
3: Yeah, and, and not exactly an argument so much as like an exchange with one of the state senators who was uh, sort of, a, you know, intimating... Not, no, he was saying directly that... The state didn't really, the state, the school districts do not have the right to issue a mask mandate, that they don't have that like political authority. And so we got into a little bit of a discussion about the health departments and, and, and I said, you know, I noticed that Utah County Health Department had said they would not issue a mask mandate because there was no political will to enforce it. Why issue a mandate for something that won't be followed? They were going to take, try to encourage people in other ways. And he said, that's on them. And I felt like that's just epitomized the the whole debate with public health in this moment. And that is politicians asking public health experts, what's the information, what's the truth? Give it give us a report, give us a give us the down low on what's happening. And then they either ignore it, they misconstrue it. Um, Or they make it politically uncomfortable enough that public health experts, instead of saying and pushing for what they know they need, will push for what they know they can get and sort of try to take baby steps towards the ultimate goal. And then I see politicians blaming public health officials because you changed your mind. And I, I just feel like there's no winning in public health right now. And I don't know. Like you're, you know, obviously you're, you know, in public health, but is it, has it been, is it as frustrating to be in it as it feels like for me watching it?
2: (laughs) It 100% is. I think that is one of the biggest frustrations of, Mm -hmm. of this pandemic for me so far has, has been the very thing that you just mentioned. You know, we, um, have been brushed aside a lot and, uh, I mean, it, it, you and your expertise, yes. (laughs) It hurts, but we see it happening at every level of government, right, from the mm-hmm. very top That's right. down to where I work. Yeah, and it's you know it's happened again and again and again, and it's it's like, well, I'm so happy that you, in your, non expertise of whatever it is that you did before you decided to become a politician, think that you know better than what we do.
3: People who've been studying this their
1: entire professional yes. lives, yes. yes, yeah. So can I ask a question? So again, I don't take uh, crap from people, and and I don't suffer fools either. So when, when a politician who doesn't know a scintilla of what you know, you know tries to say to you blah blah blah, and we, we're going to do this even though you're telling us this other thing, why don't why don't people in your profession give them back? You know, give them what for?
3: See to me if I'm. Uh, I, did I, you I, see uh, Anthony Fauci? No, and I know that. I'm Grandpa? talking about locally. I, I,
1: Anthony Fauci will tell oh, you. Oh, did go, you see
3: Doctor Dunn yourself. and uh, the Salt Lake County Council? This is what this it was verbal, but it reminded me of Wonder Woman when bullets are coming at her and she's like, you know, throwing up the the blocking and they're fine because it was one ridiculous and uninformed question after another that she had to deal with. And she did it professionally. These are not new uh, assertions. They're ridiculous. She's giving you her professional opinion and you are choosing to distort or ignore it. That's the truth. And she just totally just I don't know. Did yeah. you see it? Yes. And, some people. Yeah. Who, am I wrong about that? that? Well, no.
1: no. Look, I don't even know if he gets this anywhere. But what I what I am tired of hearing is people who don't know anything acting like they know something. And and you you have to put them in their places. And and that is to say, you don't know what you're talking about. But they make Which, the rules, Jason. It, I recognize that. But at least <laughs> call them out for what they are. See, I always the Rand Pauls of the world. and, and I'm from Chicago. They got. Some of the dumbest politicians you've ever seen, and they they make ridiculous laws, but they get paid a lot of money to Mm -hmm. be in those seats because it's a well-paying job and they want to keep the power, right? Mm. But we have no problem with telling them they don't know what you're talking about. And people here are too nice. And I I just feel like, you know, when when politicians who are not medical experts, who are not epidemiologists who spent their entire professional career studying this stuff before uh, the pandemic ever happened, are being made to feel like they're... You know, you shouldn't have your feelings hurt. You know why? Because you know what you're talking about, and those fools should listen to you. And when they don't, you should tell them. You should really be listening to me now. You got two ears and one mouth for a reason, and right now you should shut that thing and use these two ears for your own good.
3: Yeah, but Just what? What? I don't think you can do that. Am I wrong? Like, you have to.
1: Well, you have job, to
3: work yes. with them tomorrow. Right. It'd be really satisfying to do exactly what you just said. Right. Yes. In the yes. moment to be like, you are a <laughs> dum-dum. You are not listening and go to your room and don't you don't get any dessert. But that, but that's not the situation we're dealing with is these are the people who make the rules. These are the people who make the decisions they impose or don't impose the, the health precautions that we need. They're on our side or they're not. You have to keep trying to persuade them.
1: Am I you wrong? can't persuade no, no, no. them. Can no, you, okay, you have. No, that's
3: that's not true. Have you persuaded some politicians or rule makers to at least come closer to following the guidelines that are recommended?
2: I I think we've made some progress, but um, you know it's it is it is very difficult. And I think um, <clears throat> one of the <clears throat> sorry frustrations that <clears throat> I have is um, is when you know we've we're on like the third or fourth wave of this now. And we see the same things happen before the cases take off, you know, and it's, um, I think it was described best by one of the physicians that works up at Primary Children's. He's all, once again, we are heading towards a, a, a brick wall at 70 miles an hour and what are we going to do to stop it? And nothing happens, you know. Mm-hmm. And then eventually when the healthcare systems are overwhelmed then we hear these speeches get up to get ahead of the virus, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. It's it's too late at that point. You need to be taking precautions and putting measures in place long before that ever happens Mm -hmm. but you know it's they say that you need to learn from history and for for me i'm like we don't even have to look back to 1850 whatever you know this Mm -hmm. is like months or weeks ago that we were in these situations and yet we're still you know we can look
3: at last summer
2: yes yes we are still brushed aside a lot or ignored um, mm-hmm. we get threatened on a regular basis that's How about that right? I've heard
1: of that Did you get threatened? you know that's that's what another thing people use. They're gonna try to intimidate me by saying i'll hurt you I'm like, really you're gonna hurt me because I have a, a an informed opinion that you don't
3: but not just that I think if do you feel like if politicians had your back more, if they followed the science more um I guess more vocally and more Visually, like people could see them more high profile in a more high profile way. People would that that would that would eliminate some of that. Absolutely, vitriol coming your direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's how I feel. I feel like with better leadership from politicians and and community leaders in general. I think you see a lot of community leaders who are not elected, church leaders and stuff. They are doing the right. They're supporting you guys and your guidelines. But I think you see a lot of electeds worried about how this might play or that might play and they're not supporting public health officials
2: i think that you know with how political this became very quickly we've we've had a real struggle with people that are you know they might be okay with some things but not others so they're we've had a hard time i think getting people to take take you know pick a side and stay with it you know they mm-hmm. people want to toe the line and just walk the middle and try to you know be the people pleaser when you but- say
3: people you mean the politicians yes because is it just politicians the or other is it public too the other people are picking sides
2: <laughs> yes yeah. yeah yes yeah yeah, yeah. The, the politician that I'm speaking mm-hmm.
1: of. okay probably all right cuz I, I feel like again we had these discussions in people's houses they're having these same kinds of debates right uh, among each other whether they're friends or family or whatever and they 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 have the same kinds of arguments one side trying to use you know logic and reason and the other side using how they feel and misinformation that they feel even though they don't have any necessarily proof that that it's that it's the truth, and I remember when 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 COVID first started, if you went on social media, which is another reason not to be on social media, is Agreed. that they had these long, what seemed like documentaries by people who were not journalists who had an agenda, and they uh, pieced together clips, some of which were not even pertinent to what the, the discussion they were having. They literally were making this up, and mm-hmm. and so folks became missing. This is this whole process of disinformation. By people who otherwise, I don't know what they would be doing, but they, they're certainly not trying to help the cause. They're trying to push this this conspiracy, a conspiratorial kind of uh, idea that the government's out to get us, which we all know the government is us. We've watched Congress be useless and feckless for years. There's no way they will come up with this plan with, you know, that many people and, and have it be effective. It, it That's the most illogical thing I've ever heard. Okay. I have gone on enough about this. I want to talk about Disneyland okay. and the measles when we come back, because she was uh, she Annie has this uh, very interesting story about something that we thought <laughs> wasn't a thing, but under the right circumstances, it can be a thing, and it can even affect the Magic Kingdom. When we come back on the Voices of Reason. back again. Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, Voices of Reason, speaking today with Annie George. She's an epidemiologist for the state, uh, I'm sorry, the state, the Salt Lake County Health Department. And we've talked about COVID and the craziness that's been going on with that. I want to switch gears just a little bit for this last segment and talk about something that uh, Annie and I, before uh, the show offline, we were just, you know, chatting. And we got to, she's an infectious disease expert. And believe it or not, there are more infectious diseases than COVID out there. Whoever knew? Shocking. Because that's all we talk about now. But she started talking about something uh, that I didn't, th- I, I still don't think is a, I, I didn't think was a thing, but apparently you know uh, that it is. So we, for some reason we got on the con- uh, the, the subject of measles because you mentioned that there had been, because I'd asked you, or this is what, I'd asked you, you know, now that this has happened did you, was it kind of uh, nothing much going on with infectious disease? And you mentioned that there was an issue you had not long ago we had not long ago in the health department, in, in our health environment, with measles. And so was this uh, a kid you were mentioning? Yes. So kind of explain the situation.
2: So it was an individual who had traveled to a country where measles is, is endemic. And a lot of times with these diseases that we have vaccines for, I think people kind of forget about them because they aren't on our radar. I have
1: forgotten about them. Yes.
2: <laughs> they're not on our radar all the time, but they're they're still out there. So an individual had traveled to another country where there was an, a measles outbreak going on at the time. They were not fully vaccinated and ended up bringing that home with them when they came. So um, in the process of seeking care, the physicians, because they too don't see some of these, these things are the
1: physicians back home here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Back in the United States. Um, so they'd gone to several healthcare facilities to um, seek care. And when somebody finally caught on what it was, then it, other individuals had been exposed. Now, right?
1: Because they you know, went to three different uh, doctors' offices to find out about, about this right. each time, exposing people who were the there. people who were in the office. Yes.
2: So, um, and measles is very contagious. So that's yeah, like
3: Delta, right? Yeah. Like, didn't yeah. say like, a... six, one person infects six to eight people mm-hmm. is what I read. Right. Yeah. Yes, okay. it's
2: very it's very similar. So you have to worry about when you when someone is in a healthcare facility like that. You look for two hours on. After the person has entered the building, you mm-hmm. have to look for two hours afterwards because there's potential for the, the virus to still be floating in the air. Mm-hmm. So um, we had to contact a bunch of people. We had to put people on quarantine, very similar to what we are doing now, except that that's a 21-day quarantine. So that's even more fun than 14 days. But um, we yeah, we had to contact all these people and ended up having um, two more cases that had contracted it from this other individual. So... It's it's always something at
3: the See, health but, department.
1: <laughs> so here's the thing, though. I I thought we were all vaccinated for the measles. So that that's why I'm so surprised that it was.
3: Oh, there's actually a lot of people who are not vaccinated for the measles. that's yeah. in, in the MMR shot, and there's a lot of people who opt out of that because they say measles, mumps, that stuff. Mabella. We're fine with that. Yeah, right. Uh, and mm-hmm. chickenpox. They'll say well, those are those. Are I like, had the chickenpox. That was no
1: fun at all. Man. Those
3: are diseases we can. You know that. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who say, you know we want to be natural about it. I mean, the, the problem is all of these diseases um, are usually contracted by small children they there. And it's very risky to let your kid, I mean, are you so married to that idea that you're willing to let your kid be seriously ill or have lifelong impacts or, or die
1: as a person who is going to remember in the last segment, I told you about the lady that I listened to on the podcast who just let everybody get sick. Her kid got sick too. Well, she's going to let him decide whether or not, no, I'm sorry. He hasn't gotten it yet. She's going to let him decide whether or not he wants to get it. He's a teenager. We know where that's going. Uh, one of the things you mentioned, though, is that okay. So I thought measles wasn't a thing, and you're saying, well, they actually had they they uh, tracked one case of measles that uh, caused an outbreak to uh, Disneyland.
2: Yep. So kind of the reverse happened. So someone from somewhere else in the in the world came to Disneyland, and they were infected with measles and. As is the case with when there's a lot of kids together and some of them had not been vaccinated either, then um, there were there were a lot of cases that came out of that. But the tricky part with that one was, you know, not everybody that was at Disneyland that day lives in California, right? So everybody took it home with them to their various destinations across the country and also across the world. So that one, I, I can't quote you numbers on that one because that one was right before I arrived at the health department, mm-hmm. but... It's it's definitely still out there.
1: That sounds horrific, you know, to think that uh, you in one area, you can isolate it and then realize literally these people are going out around the world now from this location. And they may or may not even know because does this mean that when you're infected, does that mean you, you actually have the measles or are you a carrier like uh, people can have with uh, this COVID thing?
2: So it, you don't really have asymptomatic symptomatic measles so okay. you're definitely definitely you'd have infectious. a fever or something yeah yeah, yeah.
3: So you'd, you'd have, have some
1: really bad rash at least you know yep. and so what's what's the treatment for measles i i said having never had it
2: there really there really no. isn't it's just Fever based. control right yeah, yeah you can um i think there's a vitamin that you can that you can give and kind of a high dose but there's not you kind of just have to let it run its course
1: oh man but it's miserable yes mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so uh, are there any other infectious diseases I should be worried about? Any?
2: I mean, I there's a lot of them that scare me. We have we have. Um,
3: we just found West Nile, right?
2: Yes, yes. West Nile is alive and well. So make sure you're wearing your DEET when you're outside. We have um, bacteria that are completely resistant to all of the antibiotics that we have. So we call those multi-drug resistant organisms or superbugs. Yeah, we're we scared of the But I mean, what
3: what would you like to see come from this? Do you think public health will get more money in the long run?
2: I certainly hope so. You know, we've we've been we've been underfunded for a long time, you know, having to to scrape by and you know look for for grant opportunities to to be able to fund it. I mean, I think it's it's brought on a lot of awareness even at our health department you know we could have a long-term care facility team all the time to deal with the outbreaks that happen within there we could have a school team all the time to deal with pertussis and other outbreaks that happen in schools all the time and you know that our our team was very small before before this and we've you know had the opportunity to employ more people but i a saw lot a, of it is i is, saw a
3: team from salt lake county health at a elementary school yesterday um, I assume, do you, are you giving more than just the COVID vaccination? Or? I
2: think they're, I think they're only doing COVID at the outreach clinics right now. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: I would love to see them do more because there are a lot of people who don't have these because they don't have access to medical care.
2: That's true. That's true.
1: Cause that's, well, that's another thing too, you know, and even in America, as much as we have a, a relatively robust uh, system of health care it isn't necessarily the best health care isn't available to the people who oftentimes are most vulnerable It's true and so we, we we have to figure out some way you mentioned how um there was a what hepatitis outbreak uh, among the homeless population you know these are people who literally they don't get treatment and even and most times even when they're sick so i mean how do you how does that impact uh, public health
2: so I think it's it's really important to have have partners at some of these organizations that you that you can work closely with, and we we did with um, with the Fourth Street Clinic here in mm-hmm. Salt Lake during that particular scenario. Um, there's a lot of community organiz- organizations that we've tried to work through because there's a lot of um, minority groups that we've had a hard time getting vaccinated, and you know we've had to learn like you have to go where the people go. So mm-hmm. be that going to the grocery stores that that certain populations frequent, or holding specifically you know specific community outreach events in in areas so that people don't have to travel so it's it's an ongoing thing and and partnership is 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 everything with one
3: with thing i thought health. was they've learned a lot about what are the impediments to different groups right you can mm-hmm. one thing i noticed at the beginning of this we were treating everybody except white people as like one thing They there's the white people and then there's everybody else and what they learned was
1: welcome to america
3: i know there are different reasons that different communities have health struggles right and so you have to figure out what that specific one is and one that i thought was really interesting was um you know for certain people or certain populations um the the requirement to make an appointment was problematic one minute and so they changed that. So they said, no, you don't need it. It's a walk-in. So you can come in and it completely, it, I mean, they were full. You know, yeah. they had a line. Um, I, 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 any other things like that you think might stick around that are positive that public health might do better at delivering to people?
2: I, I hope that that you know, remains in place, you know, the outreach to the to the different populations. I think, you know, each situation is unique. I mean, we had to have we had to have uh, clinics open when we were dealing with the measles. If you can get a vaccine, if you're not vaccinated and you can get a vaccine within a certain window, then you don't have to be on quarantine. So, you know, like we having flexible staff, too, that is willing to work on weekends and yeah. and nights trying to get, you know, supplies and whatnot to, to people. So.
1: OK. Hey, listen, Annie, thank you very much. Very yeah, informative. Thank you. And
2: thanks for all the work you guys do.
1: Yes. Sorry you're taking so uh, much abuse. And. If I could, I would, I'll would. i show up at any I meeting you want, and I, will, I will beat somebody up verbally <laughs> for you. That, that will be that. Uh, join us again for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about the show, please contact us via email at voramed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail, or you can find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. we love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason.